Alright, a good devach. So, today's daf, and again, we're a little bit ahead right now, but today's daf is, was memvav. We're going to be doing daf memzayin. So, up to page 47, in the Heligam Masechus Adarim, we are on the very top of memzayin Amar Aleph at the two dots. Let's talk for a moment, alright? We have a fascinating situation that our daf starting out with. Let's remind ourselves, the Mishnah taught us, if somebody owns land or somebody owns a home, and they say to Reuven owns land or he owns a home and he says to Shimon, you are not allowed to benefit from my house or my land. The halacha is, Shimon is allowed to start benefiting as soon as it's not Reuven's. If Reuven sells it or Reuven dies and now his kids own it, Shimon could benefit because all Reuven said is, I'm forbidding you to benefit from my house or my land. Okay. But if somebody says... I'm making a vow, I'm not going to enter this house, I'm not going to buy this land. So then even if Ruvain sells it, Shimon remains forbidden to benefit from it because the, the expression was, I will not benefit from this house or this land. doesn't matter who the owner is. That's what we learned in the Mishnah. Okay. What about the following case? This is going to be our initial question in the Gemara. Very interesting case. And that is like this. If, if Shimon says to Reuven, I am making a vow that you, I'm sorry, Reuven says to Shimon, I'm making a vow that you cannot enter this house. So since Reuven has a right to forbid Shimon from benefiting from his personal property, Shimon cannot enter the house because Reuven said, I'm making a vow, you cannot enter this house. The question is, what about after it's no longer Ruvain's? Does an owner of a property have a right to forbid benefit on somebody else, even if eventually it will no longer be his property? So let's give a case. In January, Ruvain says to Shimon, I'm forbidding you from benefiting and, or entering my house. He could do that because he owns the house. In March, Ruvain sells the house Yankel. Is Shimon still forbidden to go in? Now here's the deal. The expression was this house. But the problem is, is that Ruvain only had a right to forbid Shimon from entering this house while he's the owner. Or do we say, no, since we said this house, even if Ruvain's no longer the owner, and now Yankel owns it, Shimon can still not enter. In other words, let's put this into one sentence. Can I forbid you from entering my property even when it's no longer my property? Okay. Here we go. Says the Gemara, Ask the Gemara Eshaila, which we just explained. Boy Avimi. Avimi asked Eshaila, searching for information. I'm making a vow, making a kainam, from you entering this house. Mace. Ruvain dies. So somebody else. Mahu, what's the halacha? Here's the shayla. Can Ruvain forbid benefit? Can bid, forbid benefit to Shimon? What? If right now he could do that, but eventually it's no longer be his. Does the prohibition? Does the vow remain in place even afterwards? Answers the Gemara. Amar Rava. Rava says fascinatingly, you could, and he proves it. 
He says, even if Reuven is no longer going to be the owner, Shimon cannot enter the house. How do I know that? Tashma, come and listen. A father says to his son, I forbid you, I'm making a vow, forbid, forbidding you, he says to his son, from ever benefiting from me. And then Umeis, the father dies. Guess what? The son is allowed to inherit the father. Now the reason for this is very simple. The fathers forbade the son from benefiting from him. In the rules, in the halachas of inheritance, as soon as the father dies, it's no longer his, it's Shimon's. So Shimon could start benefiting, because what the father say to his son, to his son Shimon, you cannot benefit from me. Okay, but now he's dead. So Shimon could start benefiting, there's no problem. However, listen to this. What if the father says, I'm forbidding you to benefit while I'm alive and even when I'm gone. Umes, and then he dies. Says, and here's the proof, ready? Says the Mishnah, Shimon, even though it's no longer his father's, can still not inherit the property. He's not allowed to benefit. Now he inherits it, he ultimately owns it. But he's not allowed to benefit from the property once his father's living in the Ilam Hamas. You see from this halacha, a person has the ability to forbid something even if at the time you said it, it's yours, you could forbid it even eventually when it's no longer out of your domain. Beautiful. So Lemaisa, we had a Shaila. The question was, can, if it's in my domain now and I have the right to forbid it, can I extend that vow even after it's no longer mine? No, I can't do it after it's no longer mine. Initially, I can't do it then. But can I now say it's going to apply forever? Shmamina says the Gemara, yeah. Fascinatingly, you could. How do we know that? From the Mishnah describing a father's ability to forbid his son from benefiting even, even when he's gone. Okay, beautiful. Next part of the, uh, next Gemara. Here we go, two dots. Tanan Hasom, we learned in the Mishnah later on. If somebody says, I'm making a kainam from eating these fruits, I'm making a vow from eating these fruits, kainam heim alpi, or he says, this is going to be a kainam to my mouth, kainam heim lifi, or it's going to be a kainam to my mouth, asr bechilufeyem uvegiduleyem. Allah is, it's going to be asr with they themselves, this itself, or even anything that ex- that's exchanged from them or anything that ultimately grows from them, okay? It's from the seeds and, and you bring other fruits, so on and so forth. Fine. It's also going to be Aser. Boy Rami Barchoma. So Rami Barchoma says, he has the Shaila, Amar Kainam Peros Ha'elu Alplani. What if somebody says, these fruits are going to be Asered through a vow on Plani. Call it, let's keep picking on Shimon. Going to be Asur on Shimon. Mahu bechilu What is the alacha from Shimon benefiting from something which was chiluf, something that was exchanged for them? Okay. Now we know that if you have fruit, that they have value. So you exchange this fruit for a different fruit. So does that other fruit take the place of the original fruit and also Asur or not? So what's the shaila? Me Amrino, do we say gabe delay when he himself said, "I'm not going to eat these fruits. I'm making a vow. These fruits are not going to enter my mouth." Then, since everybody has a right to forbid his friend's fruit on himself, I can always say, I will not eat in your house. I can do that forever. 
So um, since you see that you can forbid something that's not yours, because it belongs to your friend, we'll say you can also ask her something that is not yet in the world. For example, we'll call it the things that are eventually going to grow from this fruit. I.e., says the Gemara, we find the Chumrah. Since we know a Chumrah, I can forbid something on myself. When it's not even mine, I would say, so it's not yours. Why is that any difference, something not being yours, or something not even existing in the world? What's the nafkamina? However, I'm sorry, and also, when it comes to assering uh, fruit on somebody else, so I say, these fruits are usher to you, since I cannot say to you, I'm forbidding your fruits on you, I can forbid your fruits on me. I cannot forbid your fruits on you. So a person also cannot answer something that has not come to the world on his friend. That's, the, that's one side of the shaila. Again, there's a chumrah by me. Can I, I can forbid something that's not mine. The same way I could forbid something that's not mine, maybe I could forbid something on myself that's not, not even in existence. Because we find you don't need to have any sort of ownership or reality or connection to this in order for a vow to be effective. So I could always, but on somebody else, maybe it actually has to be here and be effective. Okay? Top of Amud Beis. Oidoma. Or perhaps, here's another way to view it. Okay? And a flip side, another way of viewing it is going to be Maybe we say that when fruits are exchanged one for another, it says if the, the new fruits that it's being exchanged for is like a new thing that's grown from it. And therefore I'll say that logic dictates. That would apply There's no nafkamina whether I make that nether on myself or whether I make that nether on my friend. It won't make a nafkamina. One side of the shaila is, is there a chumrah? Do I view it that I'm more of a, that to forbid something on myself is more of a chumradika reality because I could forbid something that I'm not connected with, but on somebody else, I would have no right to do that. Or maybe I'll say that the svara, the logic connecting new things to chalipin, to something, to fruits that are exchanged one for another, remains in place, whether it's mine or somebody else. And therefore, I could answer it. Okay, so that is the that is the shaila of Rami Bar based upon the Mishnah that we quoted in the beginning, stating that if somebody says the I'm making a kainam, I'm making a vow that these fruits are usher on me, that it's even going to be usher with things that are exchanged or things that eventually grow later, and we want to know how far that Mishnah goes. So here we go. Answers the Gemara. Omar Avacha Bar Menyumi. Rav Acha Bar Menyumi comes to answer. He says, Toshma, come and learn the following b'risa together. Let's see if we can answer up our shayla. If somebody says to his wife, Kainam she'ani nene leich. I'm forbidding you, he says to his wife, to ever benefit from me. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that every husband has the responsibility in certain areas for his wife to be able to benefit from him. Whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, this is a pre-existing obligation, some written in the Torah and some written in the Ksuba that a husband obligated himself 
and um, and uh, he's saying that you can no longer benefit from me. In essence, what that's happening is he's saying I, I'm not going to be following through on what I'm obligated to follow through on. Okay, so he's already married to this woman, and now he's saying, "Oh, no more benefiting from me." The halacha is loyve. She should borrow money. Here's what's going to happen. And this is consistent with what we've learned previously in that if somebody's forbidden to benefit, you just cannot benefit directly, but you are permitted to benefit in a grumma way, in an indirect way. So what's going to happen is like this. Husband's obligated to make sure his wife, let's deal with finances, is financially supported. He makes a nether that she cannot benefit from him. There's a way to accomplish both obligations. How so? She shouldn't benefit directly from him, but what they need to do is have other people use their money to support her, and then this way she's not directly benefiting from her husband, and then they'll go and collect whatever they supported her with from the husband. This way she's only indirectly receiving this benefit from the husband. She's more directly receiving the benefit from everybody else. My time, what is the reason why the other people who are supporting her can now go and collect the money from the husband? Lav Mishum, ready for this? This is Gishmak. Isn't it because the Chilufin Lav Kigidulindami? See, all that's happening over here when she's being supported by the, by the, the, the outside third party. And then with their money, and then they're going to go and take money from the husband. It's just exchanging money. It's basically just an exchange. So you see from here that something that's coming through an exchange is different than something which is kigidulin damu. It's different. It's not the same. Hence, what Rav Acha Bar is coming to answer is the original, the the, the former part of the Shiloh, the first side of the Shiloh, which was that there's a difference between me assering on myself and somebody else assering is going to be the, uh, is going to be the true answer, i.e. practically, halachically speaking, you see from here that something which is chilufen, something which is exchanged, lav kigidulin damu, and he should be allowed to get benefit from an exchanged item, that's why the wife can get benefit. Amarava. Rava says, no, that's not a good answer. It was a nice starka try by Rav Acha Yumi, but says, Rava, that's not what's happening here. Rather, Doma Lechatchila Hudelai, maybe really, Lechatchila, you're not allowed to just get benefit from an item that was chilufin, that was exchanged. But, the Rava, in this situation of the wife, we're in a Bidiyeved situation. It's backup. Why is it backup? Because we're in a catch-22. Let's think about this. Let's think about it. Let's talk this out. You have a woman. The husband says, you cannot benefit from me. Halacha says, she's obligated to benefit from you. Catch-22. What do you got to do? In a bidiyevet, in a reactive situation, what you have to do is, she must be supported. That's not an option. And the only way to support her is... Have other people give her the money, she'll borrow money from the other people, and they'll, they'll go in exchange. But says Rava, how do you know that lechatchila, in, a, in, an, a bit, in, a, in an ideal situation, we're going to say to somebody who's forbidden from a vow, that you can use exchanged items? You don't have a proof to that. Maybe it's a unique halacha to this case. Hence, says Rava to Rav Acha Bar Menyumi, 
you're not necessarily correct. You have no direct proof from that price. Okay, so we're back to our Shiloh. We're back to our Shiloh. Again, what was the Shiloh? That we know that when somebody forbids something on himself, so he can forbid something that's a laiba la'ilam, chilufin, davish laiba la'ilam, but how about when it's gabe chavira? What's the halacha? Um, do we say that it's different or do we say it's all the same? So we're back to that Shiloh. So let's try to answer it from here. It says the Gemara, Tashma, Ella, rather, Tashma, come and listen. If somebody marries a woman with Arla, what's Arla? So the first three years of a fruit tree, it's forbidden to benefit from the fruits. So a man walks over to a woman, he takes fruits of the first three years that no one's allowed to benefit from, and he says, Behold, you're married to me with this Arla fruit. Says the, says the Brisa, You're not married. Why not? You have to give her something of value. If you can't benefit from it, there's no value. So you're not married. Machron, let's say he sells the fruit. Are you allowed to sell Arla fruit? No, because you can't benefit. But let's say it's Bidiyevet. He does it. Vikidesh Bidimehem. And then he marries her with the money that was exchanged for the fruit. Harezu Mikudeshes. It actually is going to be a valid marriage. So you see from here that when you have something that has a neder on it, something, not a neder, but you have something that's forbidden to benefit, like a neder, but here it's Arla, you could still derive benefit, you could still gain benefit from something it's exchanged for. To which the Gemara says, no, again, what was that case? Was that case Lechatchila? No, that case is the guy did something usher. So that's the Gemara's going to give the same answer. Hachanami, so too over here, we'll give the same thing. Lechatchila, who delight? Really, you're not allowed to get benefit from a exchanged item when something is ushered to benefit from. However, be avad avad. It's one of those things that if you did it, you did it. After the fact, if he sold Arla, then ain't a chanami. But Lamaisa, do I have a proof that, that in an ideal case, in a lechatchila dika case, mm-hmm. do I have a raya that if something's forbidden on me, I'm permitted to benefit from the exchanged item? No, I don't have a proof either way. And the Gemara leaves off ultimately with no raya, with no proof. Period. End of that Gemara. Okay. Here we go. Mishnah, this Mishnah Bezham, take us on to, uh, on to uh, tomorrow's daf. We'll start tomorrow also again from this Mishnah, but let's get a head start. Let's learn it. Bez Hashem, tomorrow we'll have the opportunity for Chazara. All right. Hareini Allah Cherem. If somebody says, I am a Cherem on you, now, usually, as we've learned previously, the word cherem is an expression of something that, that's going to belong to Hektish, something that's going to belong to the Beis HaMikdash, okay? So he says, I am a cherem to you, okay? What does that mean? The same way you're not allowed to benefit from Hektish, you cannot benefit from me. Fine. Hamaider Aser, the one who is the subject of this nether is usr. He's not allowed to get any sort of benefit. What if somebody says, you are going to be a cherem to me, which means I cannot benefit from you. You're hektish. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I can't benefit from you. Then the halacha is hanoider usr. The one who made the nether is going to be usr because he did it on himself. What if somebody says, 
I am a cherem on you, which means I'm hectish towards you, and you are hectish towards me. The halacha is shneim asurim. They're both going to be. They're both going to be also. This is like there's no real adachidish. This is kind of like a wrap up of of uh, the first two halachas. Okay, says the Mishnah Viter. Ushneim mutarim bedavar shall ayle bava. And both of them, both of these people that are subject to this expression of cherem, are going to be mutter to to uh, a matter of ayle bava. Okay. Now, what does it mean a matter of ayle bava? So let's keep learning. The Mishnah is going to uh, going to explain. The Asurim Bedavar Shalaisayer, top of, of Daf Memches, and they're both going to be Asur from making use of something that has to do with that specific city that they live in. And let's say, what's this Aile Bavel? What's the specific city? So the mission is going to clarify. Here we go. Vezu Davar Bavel. What does it mean that these guys who are considered Cherem on each other can still benefit from, a, from something that has to do with the Eilei Bavel, they can get benefit by the Bavel. What's Eilei Bavel? Says the Mishnah Kigayim, for example, Harabayis, Ba'azarais, Ba'abar, Shebem Tzaderech. You can walk on the Harabayis, you could go to the Azara, and you could, you could drink water from the wells that are on the way to the Beis HaMikdash. That's why it's called Eilei Bavel, because people who live away, away from Yerushalayim, they entered these things and they, they utilized uh, as well. And what's considered something that's, that's uh, you know, used for that town that they're both going to be forbidden to use. It's more, you know, it's more of a, of a local thing. For example, the, the you know, in the, the old city, they have the, the Rova. Yeah, the central square of the Hamerchats and the bathhouse, and the shoals, the Hateva, and the Teva, the Aron Kaidesh, the Hasfarim, and the Sfarim. And the Gwara will explain, uh, you know, w- what the Nafkamina is exactly between these things that are used for Eilei Bavel, as opposed to something that is more, that is more local. I'll just give you a little heads up as to what it is. You know, we've learned that when something is part of the local town, it's considered like everybody is a partner in it. In everything that's local. So when they're, they're forbidden to benefit from each other, Really, if they if they utilize their local town's uh, um, facilities, they're really they're really gaining from each other because they're all part owners, and as opposed to something which is uh, which is considered more public. Okay, Viter in the Mishnah, and also if some again you have people that are usher, they're they're a cherem on each other, they have a right to make a document. For the nasi, okay. What does it mean? A nasi, they can make uh, they can make an agreement and put into writing certain things that that they're giving over to the nasi, which is the leader of the town, which is going to allow them, you know, to certain things to be excluded from the vows that uh, that they made. They'll write over certain things in order for them to be able to function. They want to be able to go to shul. They want to be able to use the merchats. So they, they can, uh, you know, they, they can come to agreements in that way. And the Gemara also will go through this. Rabbi Yudah, I Rabbi Yudah says, Echad kaisev lenasi v'echad kaisev lehedyeit. You don't need to write it to like a town leader. You could even write it to a hedyeit, to a regular person, to be this third outside party that's going to govern the agreement. What's the nafkamina between the two? Shakaisev lenasi ain't sarach lezakis. If you write something over to a to a nasi, which is again like a leader, so 
they don't need to make an actual Kenyan, uh, an acquisition on the on the on behalf of the nasi. But if a person writes their stuff over to a hediyot, the regular person, there's going to need to be somebody who's mezaka it on behalf of this regular guy to make it that it's no longer one of theirs, and now they can benefit. I.e., for example, they can't use the bathhouse, right? Why? Because they're both part owners. So what, what they could do is each one can walk over to a third party and say, I'm giving you my rights to the bathhouse. And this way, if they both write over their rights to a bathhouse, to the Nasi or to a regular guy, if he makes a Kenyan, so now both of them are no longer partners in it and they can make use of it. The Chomer and the Chom say, no, either way, there's going to have to make, be a Kenyan made to remove the, uh, you know, to remove the the prohibition of a vow, and the only reason why we mentioned the nasi is is uh, because of uh, the usual uh, situations that people would do. In other words, they, they give over their rights. You can give over the, the local mayor, the local guy on the uh, on the the city board. All right, the Mishnah ends, and we'll hold it here after this. Rebuta says, "Ein anche Galil You should know when the people of the Galilee. The people of the Galil, they do not need to write over if they are vowed on each other. Their rights to the Nasi. Because their forefathers already wrote this into, you know, into their uh, uh, ownership documents. Now, what does that mean? What it means is like this. In the constitution of the people of, in the constitution of the people of the Galil, they wrote over that there's no specific ownership with specific people. Rather, it's all, it's all owned by the people on the city board, whatever it is. Hence, if you have uh, Reuven and Shimon that forbade each other a kainam, uh, a cherem, there's no issue. Because they're not owners, it's already been over, it's already written over in the Galil. The documentation has it all given over already. Hence, it wasn't necessary to, uh, it wasn't necessary to write it over. We'll hold it here for this evening. I got tomorrow. We will chazer over. We'll review the Mishnah and um, continue with the remainder of Daf Memches.